Welcome to Pocket Odysseys, travel science fantasy. Enjoy the story. A Rift into Oblivion by Joe Lilgadol. Part 1. Shelter from the Storm. In here, yelled Auberon over the storm. The rain was coming down in sheets now, and the wind was deafening as it howled through the trees. Unbelievably, the storm was still continuing to build. As the rain and wind increased, the mighty trees of the ancient forest began to falter and break, and both tree and limb began to fall at an alarming rate. It was mostly the older trees that were giving in to the relentless wind and rain, not as supple as the younger trees around them. Lightning, like unholy serpents striking out from under the cover of darkness, flashed and rippled across the sky, accented by thunder that crashed and boomed all around. It was during one of the brighter flashes that Auberon spotted a cave entrance and quickly bid his companions to hurry. As his companions scampered towards him, a jagged rope of light kissed the ground less than fifty feet away from the cave opening splitting an ancient pine in the process. They all paused and watched in awe as the tree, silhouetted against the horrific green sky and no less than three feet in diameter, shivered momentarily in eerie silence before erupting from within. Shards of wood flew in all directions as the great white pine collapsed and began to fall in the direction of the group. They all dove to the ground, narrowly avoiding the deadly projectiles. Picking himself up, Auberon shouted again, Quickly! His voice filled with renewed urgency. Driven by self-preservation and the promise of safety, his two companions got to their feet and sprinted to the cave, falling to the floor as they entered. The cave was fairly small and narrow, and the men were forced to move deeper into the formation before they could spread out. As the storm raged outside, the small group huddled in the darkness until a sudden blue-white light filled the cavern. Auberon stood in the middle of the space, having just summoned a ball of light, and asked, Is everyone all right? Auberon Elsenfair was a snow elf, as were his companions. And as snow elves go, he was fairly average in appearance. He was tall and thin, with an exceedingly pale complexion. He wore his shoulder-length white blonde hair in a topknot, and his eyes were ice blue and so brilliant that they almost seemed to glow of their own accord. They were piercing, and with them, Auberon could captivate even the most obstinate of myrrh and man. It was this gaze that set Auberon apart from the others of his kind. That, and his oft-exceedingly calm demeanor, which he quickly resumed now that they were all safe. By estimation, Auberon placed them somewhere near the border of Cyrodiil. South was not exactly the direction that he wanted to go, at least not this far but Isgrimor and his army gave them little choice. Auberon and his two companions, Vestin and Kalantar, were all part of a regiment of elves that were scattered during Isgrimor's counterattack. Isgrimor's attack was a direct retaliation of the elves' raising of the Nord city of Sarthal. The attack upon the elves was swift and merciless, and few escaped. Auberon, Vestin, and Kalantar were all that were left of their battalion. What now? asked Kalantar. We must wait, 
replied Albron calmly as he started looking about the cavern. Perhaps now might be a good time to check our gear, Vestian commented. Yes, an excellent idea, Albron agreed. We also need to see if our lanterns are in still working condition. I don't know about either of you, he continued, turning in place to face them as he did, but I don't feel like summoning light every waking minute. Just then, as if to prove his point, the blue-white ball of light that had been clinging to the wall began to fade, and within seconds the cave was dark, forcing Aubron to cast another. Mine is broken, said Vestin with a sigh. Can it be mended? asked Aubron. Yes, I believe so. How does yours look, Callan? It seems fine, but my flask of oil is missing and the reservoir is only about half full, replied Kalantar with thinly veiled annoyance in his voice. The strap holding it to my pack must have broken some time after that Norden counter we had this morning. I know I had it yesterday. How it was lost is of no consequence, commented Albron casually as he cast another light spell. The only thing that matters is that it is gone. Fortunately, I have a full flask of oil. Although, Aubron's voice trailed off as he dug through his pack. I do not see my lantern. Oh well, I guess it was on borrowed time anyway, he said with a shrug, thinking back several weeks ago to when they had taken refuge in a small abandoned cabin whereby he had found the lantern. His thoughts were back to the present quickly, however, when Kalantar lit his lantern and set it between them. Aubron then sat down on the rocky cave floor and began to unpack his things. Would you look at this, exclaimed Kalantar, holding out his massive sword. Kalantar was a surly mur and quick to anger. His hair was uncharacteristically dark for a snow elf, and he preferred to keep it short. He was also noticeably larger in girth, too. And whether his physique dictated his fighting style or was a result of it, Kalantar preferred to be up close in combat and rarely use spells. His sword was a beautifully crafted piece of glass, heavy and long, smithed by Kalantar himself. As he held it in the lantern's light, soft hues of orange and gold bounced playfully along the shimmering translucent green blade's edge before being absorbed by the blade, giving it a fire from within that only weapons made of the finest malachite can produce. Unfortunately, along with its stunning beauty, one could also see several chips along its edge. See, look at that. If you would have let me grind the edge at the mill a few days back, this never would have happened, Kalantar growled at Auberon. Yes, and I'm sure the Nords in the area would have never heard that. Or have you forgotten our narrow escape? Auberon snapped back uncharacteristically. Unwilling to concede, Kalantar pressed on. With a sharp blade, I would have been able to cut through them. Yes, and no doubt they would have been perfectly understanding and would have given you all the time you needed to finish honing its edge before allowing you to cut them down. Auburn spat back. Stop it, said Vestian sharply, a bit nervous of Auburn's sudden temper, but more tired of listening to the two of them bicker. Arguing will not improve our situation. I suggest we find a suitable place to set our bedrolls Make a fire so that our clothes can dry out, and then begin thinking of what to do next. If you are correct, Aubron, we are dangerously close to Cyrodiil, which means we have Colovians on one side and Nords on the other. We need to figure out how to proceed without getting ourselves killed by either one. Fortunately, 
The one thing the storm will do for us, Vestian continued, is all but remove our tracks. Oh, don't look at me like that, Callan. You know damn well that these Nords are excellent trackers. What's your point? responded Kalantar shortly. My point, if you allow me to continue, is that we have found a fairly safe place here. A place that nobody will be able to track us to. A place that we can hole up for a while and catch our breath. We've been on the run for what, six? Vestian paused to think before exclaiming, No, eight. Eight weeks now. Eight weeks with no time for repairing arms or armor. Eight weeks since we've had more than three hours of sleep in a row. Eight weeks since we've been able to sit down and eat even a meager meal without threat of attack. My point is this. Why don't we take this opportunity to catch up on some badly needed rest? Aubron looked down a bit and sighed, and then looking back to Kalantar said, He's right. Kalantar simply nodded, his now unfocused gaze still directed toward his giant sword. Aubron then set his own blade down and grabbed a small hatchet he had set out moments ago. I can illuminate my way and find wood near the cave's entrance if you two want to find a flat spot to make camp. And with that, Aubron stood up and began walking to the entrance, sending a small blue-white ball of light into the gloom as he did. Thanks for listening to Pocket Odysseys, travel-size fantasy. If you enjoyed this tale, give us a like or rating on iTunes. Let's see how many listeners we can fit in a pocket. For more about stories, writers and producers, visit pocket.charactercrusade.com. <laughs>